0: Hey y'all! It's Crystal and it's Samantha, and this is Serial Holic Sisters. True crime shit. Well, hi. Oh, um. Good morning. Yes, it's morning. This we're is weird. Um, I know. We're gonna we're gonna do our murder talk with coffee, and I've literally got a cup of coffee and a backup cup of coffee already. <laughs> <laughs> this is different. We usually
1: do it at night, and I have wine and. No, this is not wine. This is coffee, and it's
0: because coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> right? Yes, ma'am. As I sip my coffee. Okay. So yeah, if you hear me like pause,
1: it's because I'm like guzzling coffee. Maybe don't guzzle into the mic. No. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, mm-hmm. I'll try that. <laughs> um. It's I don't your really turn. Have- I was gonna say it's my turn. I don't really have any new news um, that's happened this week. I've been slammed with photo sessions and editing like crazy, but other than that, yeah, nothing new. Nothing new. Nothing new to report. Nothing new to report. My mother, my mother-in-law's on her way here today to visit the the kids. She lives like two hours away from us, Um, so that. That's about the only new thing that I've got going on. <laughs> Sounds just lovely. Just lovely. It actually is. I love my in-laws. So that's good. I, I literally love my in-laws. They are, they're pretty awesome. I, I can't, can't complain about them at all. So I'm just going to not say anything about that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> about yours. I'm just, I'm just, I got just lucky. I got lucky. I going to say, I got super lucky with mine, um, but yeah, yeah. other than that, I guess we'll just get right into the damn thing. Yeah. You, you, ready, you ready to do the damn thing? Let's, let's talk about I Moida. Am. Let's talk about Moida. We're going we're gonna to talk about the Moida. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, it's going to kind of be, I'm just I'm just going to be honest, it's going to be all over the place because this case is all over the place. What does that mean? It is a, it's a big one. It's <laughs> a big one. You'll know what I mean when I start talking about it because you're going to be like, oh, yeah, it was all over the place. <laughs> I'm intrigued. So um, I can give you a hint on okay. who it was. It was basically a decade after Ted Bundy. In fact, Ted Bundy offered to help catch him. No? I don't know no okay cool i know you'll know who it is it is um gary leon ridgway the green river killer Ah, okay Mm okay okay girl for all you folks that didn't know that ted bundy absolutely offered to help catch this killer and then and then tried to escape from prison again no yeah because he was all (laughs) over the place the green river killer was all over the place okay so let's just start with his early life. He was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, to um, Mary Rita Steinman and Thomas Newton Ridgeway. He had two brothers, Greg and Thomas, and he actually was raised in the McIn Mac- Mac- neighborhood of SeaTac, oh. Washington. That's a, that's a mouthful. Okay. <laughs> Um, like a lot of our serial killers that have stated they had a really crappy childhood, his wasn't like super crappy, but it was somewhat troubled. Okay. And when I mean what I mean by that is like relatives actually described his mother as a domineering woman, and that um, some of them even said that when he was younger, um, they witnessed more than one violent argument between his parents. So. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, it wasn't like she beat the shit out of him all the time, but it was a very unhealthy childhood, I guess I should say. Okay. So, um, as a boy, he had a habit of wetting the bed. Oh, which serial killer? Has a their- <laughs> I was say, I know, those are serial killer signs.
1: <laughs> just because um, you wet the bed, no, doesn't mean you're gonna
0: be serial killer. <laughs> <damn> it! <laughs> I just need to throw my kids out. <laughs> right. <laughs> <I'm> Start <just kidding. laughs> over. Um, no, he wet the bed, and but his mother. So his mother was always the one that ended up discovering the accidents. So she bathed him immediately, but then she would belittle him. After she bathed him and embarrassed him in front of his whole family. So she'd wait until all of his family was around and, and then say, you know, only babies wet the bed. Are you a baby? (laughs) Like make fun of him. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was, it was really like unsettling, but when he was younger, like this is where he started having like conflicting feelings of anger towards her. And um, then he started having conflicting feelings of sexual attraction to his mother. Oh no. Meaning. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't like he like wanted to do anything or act on those sexual attractions or whatever it was. He was, when he was getting older, when he started like getting in touch with his body, it was anger is what caused his sexual attraction to other women. So he couldn't like, he didn't have it unless he was mad and wanted to act violently on it. If that makes got sense. it. Yeah. Okay. So as a young child, um, Gary, <laughs> needless to say, Gary was stupid. <laughs> okay. He, he, te- he tested with an IQ of 82, Oh, baby. Which, <laughs> which signified, um, Basically, low intelligence. Okay. (laughs) So, his academic performance in school was like really, really poor. And at one point in high school, he actually had to repeat a single school year twice in order just to attain grades that were decent enough to pass. I know.
1: So, he was not one of those super genius killers. With the super high IQ.
0: He was no Ed Kimber. Right. He was no Ed Kimber. Um, In fact, like he didn't have like a, a crappy school experience, I guess I should say, but like his classmates actually described him as forgettable. So if that means anything, it's basically, he just didn't have a lot of friends. Nobody really cared they didn't I thought you were saying forgettable like
1: I thought you're saying forgettable like he just like forgot stuff all the time I was like same bro <laughs> no <laughs> no 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 like
0: he like uh, they don't remember him he's just like yeah they they just if, if somebody would have walked down the hall and been like hey do you know where Gary's at they would have been like who <laughs> Who the fuck's here? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> you know the kid the kid that did this? Oh, that kid. Oh, I didn't know that was his name. <laughs> okay. It's pretty sad, but that's yeah. how it is. He didn't get bullied, so that's good, I guess. But yeah. he just like nobody really um cared. However, he did have a girlfriend in high school, and I'll get to that. Okay. Um, so a couple years down the road in his teenage years he was 16 years old he was super troubled um even though he wasn't being abused per se he um would combine his anger of hatred for his mother who would belittle him or other family members that would embarrass him and he decided to lead a six-year-old boy into the woods.
1: No, don't do that.
0: So one day he decided to do that, and he um, triggered. Just like him. a
1: random six-year-old, or he had already picked. Just him a out.
0: random six-year-old, just a random six-year-old boy. Um, he led him into the woods, and then he stabbed him through the ribs into oh. his liver. And the boy survived. Oh yay! But according to the victim. Ridgway walked away laughing and saying, I always wondered what it would be like to kill someone.
1: That's, so that's he did, troublesome.
0: <laughs> he didn't kill him. And even, even after that, he didn't like he didn't really get in trouble, which was concerning. He got in trouble, but he didn't like do any jail time. They were
1: like, slap on the wrist. Don't you stab anybody else? <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. that's, that's like, you probably... should have got, you should have locked him up then. He's 16. So, this, this brings me back to the whole Ed Kemper thing where he was 15 and killed his grandparents. Yeah. So, <laughs> stop making fun of kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple years down the road, he was 18. And when he was in high school, he decided he was going to join the Navy. So, after graduation, that, um, girlfriend of his that I was talking to you about, he ends up marrying, um, her name was Claudia Barrows. Okay. And right after he, um, enlisted in the Navy, he was sent to Vietnam. So he served on board a supplied ship and actually did see combat. And during his time in the military, Ridgeway began spending a lot of time with sex workers. Oh, okay. And ended up contracting gonorrhea oh no well this made him mad but he (laughs) still ended up continuing to have unprotected sex with these sex workers
1: okay well he learned his lesson didn't he
0: like clearly not well meanwhile his wife claudia who was alone and was 19 years old got sick and tired of being alone so she started dating while she was married oh now i know you're um, not
1: supposed to do that
0: you're not supposed to do that, <laughs> that is Well, they, they ended up ending the marriage within a year well, I should say so, so then yeah so then shortly after he ends up meeting marcia winslow and marrying her so they're they're married they're having a good old time but um are they? <laughs> then they end up, ended up getting divorced too because of infidelities by both of them. They he kept having sex with sex workers, she got lonely and started dating. <laughs> I see a pattern here. <laughs> well, then I guess Marsha claimed that he had placed her in a chokehold at one time. Okay. And so that's kind of where she started drifting apart and looking into other men. But at the same time, here's where it was a little weird. So Ridgeway actually became like fanatically religious
1: okay.
0: <laughs> he, during his second marriage, like during his marriage with Marsha, he was super religious in, in so many ways. He would actually go door to door and read aloud at work and at home, the Bible So then he started forcefully insisting to Marsha that she needed to follow the teachings of their church pastor. And um, Marsha actually stated that Ridgway would also frequently cry after sermons Mm -hmm. or reading the Bible. So (laughs) um, she just felt like very trapped in the relationship. So that's what kind of led her to, to start. Her infidelity, you know? Yeah. Um. So Ridgway continued to solicit the services of sex workers during this marriage. And, and so he actually wanted Marsha to participate in sex in public and in appropriate places.
1: Wait, what? In public?
0: <laughs> yeah. So he's like, so this is what's super confusing about him. He's like, oh, you need to, be religious and do this. And then he's like, oh, let's go have sex in public and inappropriate places. And sometimes he would even have sex with, uh, he would even ask her to have sex in places where he had his victim's bodies that were discovered later. So, um, yeah, he's basically psycho, (laughs) basically, basically psycho. He had a very, as described to, uh, detectives insatiable sexual appetite okay so he ends up marrying again (laughs) who keeps marrying where are these where's he finding these women like stop marrying him i have no idea so he ends up marrying again and of course all of his ex-wives and several old girlfriends had reported that he demanded sex from them several times a day often He would even want to have sex in public areas or the woods, which was super fucking weird to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. So um, Ridgway, in in fact, later on, he himself admitted to having like a fixation with the sex workers and it was a love-hate relationship as he stated. Okay. So in
1: 1975,
0: um, before him and Marsha ended up splitting, um, his second wife gave birth to his son, Matthew. So he did have a son. Okay. So now we're going to get into the Moidas. Moida. Okay. <laughs> the Moidas. Okay.
1: Hold L- lost your
0: place. I lost my place. <laughs> it happens.
1: That's shopify.com slash special offer.
0: Okay. So on August 15th, 1982, Robert Ainsworth, 41 years old, stepped into his rubber raft and began his descent south down the green river toward the outer edge of Seattle's city limits. So Robert had made this trip on many occasions But this time, it was going to be super different. So as he drifted slowly downstream, he had noticed a middle-aged balding man standing by the riverbank, and then a second younger man sitting in a nearby pickup truck. Okay. So Ainsworth suspected that the men were out there day fishing, no big deal. So he asked the older man that was standing by the bank if he caught anything. And the man replied that he hadn't caught anything. So then he decided to ask the same. He, add, he the man, asked Ainsworth if he found anything. Mm-hmm. So Ainsworth was like just this old single tree, nothing else. And they waved goodbye. And then soon after, the two men left in the old pickup truck. So Ainsworth cont- continued to float down the river. But little did he know, he was about to be surrounded by death. <laughs> oh, no. It's, so just all, he, it's
1: just all around him. Just it's
0: all around him. So this is where it gets good. So as he peered into the clear water, his eyes ended up meeting another pair
1: oh, of- Oh, no. No, no. Don't like so that. So
0: a young Black woman's face was floating just beneath the surface of the water.
1: Oh, God. Okay.
0: Well, her body was swaying beneath her with the current which made Ainsworth believe that this had to have been a mannequin so in attempt to pull this mannequin up he um attempted to snag the figure with a pole and ends up overturning his raft because he was trying to dislodge the figure from a rock and he fell into the river to his horror he realized that the figure was not a mannequin yeah no so seconds later he saw another floating corpse of a half-nude black woman another one merged in the water yeah so he he found another one so then quickly the death was all around him all around him so quickly ainsworth swam towards the riverbank where the truck stood earlier and was in like major shock he was freaking out yeah um he sat down uh didn't know what to do he didn't have a cell phone or anything like that i mean this is yeah right they didn't have Um, 70s and 80s i guess um so he sat down and waited for help to arrive was the truck still
1: there was the truck gone
0: no the truck was gone like they drove off so he's he's sitting at the bank and about half an hour later. He notices a man with two children on bikes. Oh, no. So he stops them and says, or pulls the guy aside, tells him his gruesome discovery. And then he's like, can you please go get the police? Go get the police. So right. before long, a policeman arrived at the scene, questioned Ainsworth about his find, and the officer didn't believe him. Like uh, I knew you were going to say him. that. No. So he the officer decides to walk into the shallow river himself and look at it and Oh, he just didn't
1: believe that there were bodies?
0: Yeah. He, he I thought, thought you were
1: saying like, he didn't believe that he like found them, that he you know, he thought, he, oh, he you placed these bodies, bodies
0: He was like, they're, they're not real bodies. They're probably mannequins. Why you're would he not believe that? him? <laughs> I know, like, that's my thing. Disbelieving it, you, you're gonna go and look at it yourself. So he starts walking into the shallow river, okay? And he reaches out towards this, like, ghostly form, this, like,
1: floating this dead body, body. <laughs>
0: that's half up from the water because the other half is under rocks. And the officer was like, oh, shit. So he immediately calls for backup. Yeah, you think? So then soon after the reinforcement arrives at the scene, detectives started sealing off the area and began searching for evidence. So during the search, a detective made another discovery. He found a third body, that of a young girl who was partially clothed. So unlike the other two girls, this one was actually not even found in the water. She was found in a grassy area less than 30 feet from where the other victims laid in the water.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So um, this one, though, it was obvious that she had died from a sp- asphyxiation. Okay. Because she had a pair of blue pants knotted around her neck. Oh, that's a good indicator. Yeah. <laughs> she also <laughs> yeah, she also showed signs of struggle because she had bruises all over her arms and legs. And then um later she was identified as Opal Mills, who was 16 years old, and she was believed to have been murdered within 24 hours of her discovery. So she wasn't laying there for a long time. Yeah. So following another examination of the bodies that were submerged underwater, um, they determined that all three of the girls had actually died of strangulation. But the two girls found in the water, one was identified as Marsha Chapman, who was 31 years old. And the other was Cynthia Hines, who was 17 years old. They were both found to have pyramid shaped rocks lodged in their vaginal cavity. Whoa. Okay. Trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> Little late. <laughs> De- delayed. <laughs> they were both. We've
1: talked about this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. They were both held down by rocks in the water. Um. It was further determined that Chapman, the 31 year old, was a mother of two and had gone missing two weeks earlier she had been dead for over a week and Aww. had showed um, advanced signs of decomposition
1: yeah, then Hines, she was in the water
0: yeah of course
1: that speeds that up a little bit
0: it does Hines, who was 17 was to be- was believed to have been in the river for a period of only several days because she wasn't yeah um, as bad as the other right So the three bodies were not the only ones to be found in and around Washington State's Green River. So several days earlier, the body of a woman named Deborah Bonner was discovered. And her nude body had been found slumped over a log in the Green River. She too had been strangled. So um, a month earlier than that, another girl who was identified as Wendy Lee Caulfield was found strangled and floating in the Green River. I'm going to need some people to to
1: start patrolling this river.
0: (laughs) I know, I know. So, in six months prior to her, a body, um, who was actually Wendy Lee Caulfield's friend, Leanne Wilcox, was found several miles from the river in an empty lot. But they didn't believe that was the Green River killer that murdered Wilcox. But investigators still kind of had it up in the air because it was the same mo it just wasn't the same location
1: i was like why wouldn't they believe it was i I think it was
0: so basically Um, i know i must say it was (laughs) within the span of six months six bodies have been discovered in or near the river so detectives at the scene started realizing that there was a serial killer on the loose i would have realized this after like the third body right But you (laughs) think the same i would have realized it when i came down to the river and saw the two girls submerged in the freaking water because clearly there's two there's two victims right there same kind right
1: i think for a serial it doesn't have to be three or more did i make that up
0: it has to be three or more yeah. But still, I would have, I start, I would have definitely been. Right. it. So. Um,
1: and they found three the same day. Yeah. So boom, serial killer.
0: They did. They found three the same day. And um, mm. this is where a special task force was then assembled in King County, um, where detectives were now placed to investigate the Green, Green River murders. So according to the Seattle times back then, it was the largest police task force ever assembled since the Ted Bundy murders. That was less than a decade earlier. Yeah. So, course, And then, and then Ted was, was like, all like, I'll
1: join you guys.
0: Yeah. That's not many people. I don't, I don't know if people knew that, but yeah, he did. He offered to, to help in this.
1: And they're like, um, they're like Bundy sit down.
0: <laughs> get just, sit the fuck down you're fine <laughs> you're fine where you're at <laughs> right you just you just sit there you just rot in jail right now okay <laughs> chill the fuck out <laughs> what are you gonna help with you decapitated your women <laughs> right oh geez oh man so um man I lost my spot because of- <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> So, task force. You, they, force. <laughs> so in this in this uh, police task force they actually enlisted the help of FBI serial killer profile John Douglas um, and criminal investigator uh, Bob Keppel these are the two that you guys hear us talk about all the time they were badass people yeah they were, they were the best profilers out there okay so okay. Um, <laughs> they the, I mean, this is where, um, hunters, all of that stuff was based off of, you know, right. Anyways. Um, so they called them and asked them to come and help because they were known for their unique and successful approach of compiling evidence. Mm-hmm. And they compiled the evidence in the Ted Bundy case eight years earlier. So they're like, Hey, bro, we need your help. <laughs> So um, the investigation actually got off to a shaky start because there was so much information that swamped the police force within short periods of time that everyone was like, oh, I think it's this guy, it's this guy, this guy. So it was really hard to process all of that data and evidence. And a lot of it was actually lost or misplaced or even overlooked entirely because of it. Because everybody thought Joe Blow was the green river killer <laughs> like this guy looked at me re- real weird so he's the green river killer um <laughs> this guy's like super
1: sketch it was him
0: so one of the sex workers who had worked the strip had filed a report with the police um stating that a man who had raped her was um she made the reference to the green river murders So soon after the report, the task force began to search for the guy that supposedly raped her. So on August 20th, 1982, the police announced that they had him in custody as a potential suspect of the Green River murders. However, they were unable to find any plausible evidence connecting him with this crime. So he was released and the search for the killer um, resumed. So then this is where a bunch of other sex workers started filing police reports. They were like, oh, this guy is doing this. Um, There was several interviews that were taken by two separate uh, sex workers that claimed that a man in a blue and white truck abducted them and attempted to kill them. I can't talk today. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) I can never talk. (laughs)
1: you're doing a good job keep going
0: (laughs) so according to one account um by susan widmark who is 21 years old a middle-aged man in a blue and white truck solicited her and then once susan was in his truck he pointed a pistol to her head and then sped off towards the highway he took her to a isolated road where no one was around turned the engine off and then proceeded to violently rape her so then following the rape he allowed her to dress while he began to drive away from the scene with her still in the car and then while he was driving he made references to the recent river murders so while continuing to hold a gun to her head she's like freaking out fearing for her life she yeah. manages to escape from the vehicle while at a stoplight.
1: Oh, I was like, while well, he was driving, she just tucked and rolled. No.
0: <laughs> she just yeeted the fuck out of there. Right.
1: <laughs> he yeeted She's her like, body
0: nope. out <laughs> <laughs> Stop dropping, roll. <pillow. laughs> oh, at okay. a stoplight, she got out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. While I- he was
1: holding a gun on her, too. Yeah.
0: So she was able to make out part of the registration number of the truck, too. So she was a badass sex worker. The
1: registration number? Yeah. The, or the driver, the license plate number?
0: Well, that's the same fucking thing, isn't it? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, whatever. She gave, <laughs> she gave a number for the truck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before he ended up speeding away. Um... A similar incident happened to um, a Deborah S- Estes, who was 15. Also, this is very oh. like, where your mama at, girl? You 15? Yeah. Why you up out on the streets?
1: Um, <laughs> she, she was a 15 year old sex worker.
0: Yeah, so she filed a report to police in late August 1982 concerning a rape. Okay. So Estes told the police that she was walking down the highway, which is so fucking weird. As one does at 15 years. When a man in a blue and white pickup truck approached her and offered her a ride. So she accepted this ride, which again, people stop getting in (laughs) fucking vehicles with strangers. Hitchhike. Stop hitchhiking. (sighs) So she accepted and climbed into the vehicle. And to her amazement, the man pulls a pistol out on her, points it at her head.
1: Oh, amazement or horror to her horror?
0: Yeah, why did I say amazement? I don't know. That is not amazing. It literally 100% <laughs> says horror right here. <laughs> it's just
1: making shit up at this point. Okay.
0: You can it's early. I'm still drinking coffee. <laughs> to her horror, the man... <laughs> pistol whips her no i'm just kidding. oh god <laughs> <laughs> the man i'm kidding i'm kidding the man pulled a pistol out pointed it at her head and then violently forces her to give him oral sex before, uh, before releasing her into the woods handcuffed <laughs> okay and he drives off so of course she's immediately looking for help so
1: handcuffed. again uh, again our life lessons are don't hitchhike and bite it off
0: Yes like, guys bite it the fuck off. Okay. I'm sorry for <laughs> any guys that are listening to this and cringing just know that we don't mean it for all men we mean it for the nasty <laughs> little <rapist> men. <laughs> but bite it, fuck-a <laughs> bite it the fuck off bite it the fuck off okay <laughs> so anyways seeing <laughs> seeing a pattern um, that could have been related to the Green River murders. The task force started to follow these leads um, for this blue and white truck. Um, so they they were hoping that the new information concerning the man would lead them to a break in the case, and so, they started looking for all white and blue trucks in the um, Seattle area.
1: Okay, I have a couple questions. Okay one first of all you don't need all the white and blue trucks if you've got a partial tag number but whatever
0: (laughs) Two. (laughs) that's exactly what i was thinking i was like bro this gold street gave you a number go be looking it up like
1: you're not doing a good job detecting two how what are the what are the things that linked this person to the green river like why did they put those two together
0: well, so they started so the reason they started looking for um this guy is because, because the all the reports were, from
1: the sex workers, right?
0: Yeah. And the two that were submerged in um the water were sex workers. Got it. Okay. And then the sex workers that were um going in and making reports were stating that this guy had been saying that he was the Green River killer. Okay. So at first, you know, all these investigators were like, Oh, it's just a sex worker, just
1: Right, as they they're do, which is obnoxious. Get-
0: they're just trying to get publicity. They're just trying to be the ones that supposedly caught this guy. Because or else they'd it's just not- be like,
1: Oh, they're just sex workers, like, who cares what they're saying?
0: Exactly. But then when um John Douglas and and them were called in, they're like, Why are you guys not fucking looking into these guys? Right. Like, hello hello they're giving you a lead and you're not taking it because they're sex workers come the fuck on so basically um these these women that were escaping from being murdered <laughs> right we're going to the police and we're like this guy got me and it's now they're like oh man this is the fourth person that's come to me over a green <laughs> or a blue and white truck so they're Maybe like i should look into it
1: they're like this guy got me he tried to kill me he told me he was the Green River killer and here's part of his license plate number. And they're like, okay, look for all the blue and white trucks. And they're like, wait. A hundred percent.
0: Okay, got it. Because cool story, bro. they not. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, that September, a meat butcher named Charles Clinton Clark which is a big mouthful of a name. <laughs> Charles Clinton Clark? Yes. Okay. His initials are CCC. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Anyways, he was pulled over in his blue and white truck while driving along Seattle's main <laughs> strip. He was
1: like, what's the problem?
0: He's
1: like, what's the problem, officer? And they're like, you have a blue and white truck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it was. So after a background check was conducted, they learned that Clark owned two handguns. So the investigators believe that Clark might be the man they were looking for. (laughs) Because he owned two handguns. He owned two handguns and had a blue and white truck.
1: Don't worry that um, none of these victims were shot. Like, that's not important.
0: (laughs) Well, here's the thing. They obtained his driver's license photo and showed it to both Widmark and Estes. The Mm -hmm. two women that escaped. Yeah. And both women positively identified Clark as their attacker. Oh. So, yeah, I'm not done. I'm not done. We're getting there. Okay. So, Clark was arrested and his house and vehicle were searched. The police found the two handguns that were allegedly used in the assaults. And after interrogation by police, Clark admitted to attacking the women. However, there was speculation as to whether he was actually the Green River Killer because he was known to release his victims following an attack. So now we're looking at like a serial rapist and then a serial killer. Right. So moreover, um, Clark had a solid alibi during the time that many of the Green River victims disappeared. So now they're like, "Mm, I think we got two different people.
1: Well, that's just great. Clark,
0: (laughs) Clark was being booked with the rape of Widmark and Estes, um, 19-year-old Mary Bridget Meehan disappeared during a walk. Oh. So Meehan was more than eight months pregnant oh no. and went missing near the Western Six Motel. So the motel was located on the Strip and was a frequent hangout and workplace for many of the sex workers that fell victim to this Green River Killer. So based on a hunch, um, the detective on the case began to sus- suspect that one of the volunteer civilians working on the case might be the Green River Killer. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you know they had all of these leads, so they right. had all these like volunteer people. So then a 44-year-old out-of-work taxi driver became the focus of the investigation, <clears throat> which I don't understand why they just assumed a poor 44-year-old out-of-work taxi driver was the focus. They, like, we, he, they he's having
1: a hard that. enough time. Leave him alone.
0: <laughs> I know. So they were concerned because two weeks prior to Meehan's disappearance, two 16-year-old girls, Casey Ann Lee and Terry Renee Milligan, mysteriously disappeared. So they were thought to have had a history of sex work like being sex workers okay so um where they, are they all
1: these teenage sex workers by the way
0: i don't know where their mama at <laughs> it's really sad all right so then the two because they were like it was suspected that they had fallen victim to this green river killer too so the taxi driver seemed to fit the profile of the killer that was devised by the fbi agent john douglas too So this was his profile, according to Douglas, the Green River Killer was a confident yet impulsive middle-aged man who would most likely frequent the murder scenes in order to reenact the crimes in his mind. The killer was probably familiar with the area and was likely to have deep religious convictions. Moreover, um, Douglas also believed that he might have an active interest in police work. So, especially the investigation into the recent murders. So, the killer might have even contacted the police in effort to assist on the ongoing
1: uh, investigation. They these okay. <clears throat> so, during most of
0: 1982, they the police heavily monitored um the taxi driver's movements. Okay. and although he like continuously denied having anything to do with the green river murders the taxi driver eventually became the primary suspect in the killings and was arrested for unpaid parking tickets
1: so they followed him for a year and didn't catch him doing anything like
0: yeah and then they just just continued okay Yeah, so they had, like, no solid evidence at all connecting him to the murders, except that he knew five of the victims.
1: They were like, this guy's got a shady mustache. It must be him.
0: (laughs) I'm not (laughs) Taylor. So um, I feel really bad for this taxi driver because he was, like, the the main suspect and they get him for unpaid parking tickets and the only solid evidence that they had is that he knew five of the victims right of course he knew five of the victims he was a fucking taxi driver (laughs) like he
1: drove a lot of people around
0: (laughs) like geez so on September 26 1982 the decomposing remains of the 17 year old sex worker named Giselle LaVorne were discovered sorry if I Butchered that name. She had been missing for more than two months before a biker found her nude body near abandoned houses south of the SeaTac International Airport. She mm-hmm. had been strangled to death by a pair of men's black socks. Oh. And then, intriguingly, at the time of her disappearance, she was blonde. But when her body was discovered, her hair was dyed black. Oh that's weird yeah isn't that weird so although her body was not found like in the river the police believe that she was still a victim of the green river killer because of the same MO. MO. Yeah. yeah which good job detectives I mean <laughs> at least you can identify that as the right same. <laughs> so um between 19 19- 82, um, well, between September 1982 and April 1983, 14 girls disappeared. Jeez. So the missing girls included, I'm going na- to give you their names, um, Mary Meehan, Deborah Estes, Denise Bush, Shonda Summers, Shirley Cheryl, Rebecca Marrero, Colleen Brockman, Alma Smith, Dolores Williams, Gail Matthews, Andrea Childers, Sandra Gabbert, Kimmy Pister and Marie Malvar. So most of these girls their ages ranged from between 15 years old and 23 years old and they were all known to be sex workers who like were frequent on the strip. Which wow. really makes me sad for all these 15-year-old sex workers. It really does. Like I wasn't even thinking about that at 15. So <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> uh, I was just sporting blue eyeshadow and hair clips. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Were you? <laughs> no, I never wore blue eyeshadow. That's I, I can honestly say I never wore <laughs> blue eyeshadow. Let's I'll tell it. you why. 15,
1: I was probably wearing um like white eyeliner.
0: You were, I remember that because it was like this, it wasn't white, it was like a a whitish silver that you always wore. And it cracked me up because it yeah. was like the. Remember when those like uh, eyeshadow sticks were out and popular? Y- yes. And yes, they were I like do. The, the sticky wetness of it. And yeah, it's real cracked, gross. And That's what you wore.
1: <laughs> yeah. You like blank and your eyelids would like stick to the top of your
0: nose. <laughs> so true. I didn't wear blue eyeshadow because the only thing that I could think of was Mimi off of the oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) that is not cute girl so i could never i could never wear blue eyeshadow but anyways (laughs) the green river uh task force their attention started to be drawn to one possible suspect which um involved in the disappearance of the last girl that went missing marie Malvar. So on April 30th, 1983, Malvar's boyfriend saw her talking with a potential customer in a dark colored truck as she was on the strip, like when she was working.
1: Right. Don't talk to her. Don't talk to him, girl.
0: So the boyfriend claimed that he saw Malvar get into the truck before he sped away. And according to Smith and gillian i don't know (laughs) okay i can't i can't pronounce some of these names sorry guys um marie's boyfriend stated that marie and the unknown man seemed to be engaged in an argument so he noticed that she was arguing with this guy in the truck so suspicious of the driver of the truck the boyfriend followed them oh good job and before long also with his also
1: boyfriend don't let your girlfriend be a sex worker
0: thank you clapping <laughs> to that clapping to that like we can First we can make money another boyfriend. way bro go get a job <laughs> Just, just don't, like right like go get a job okay so suspicious of the driver of the truck like the boyfriend follows them and then before long the truck with his girlfriend in it started like giving chase like started driving off really fast and eventually disappeared when the boyfriend was held up by a stoplight.
1: Oh,
0: no. So it was the last time he ever saw his girlfriend. Oh, you got to run that red he light. Later, I know. He later um, actually notified the police of Marie's dis- disappearance because he couldn't find her. So less than a week after the incident, he, along with Marie's father and her brother, spotted the suspicious truck near the place where he had initially lost sight of it days earlier.
1: Oh. And
0: they followed the truck to a house located on South 340, 348th Street, and they called the police. Okay. So the police eventually arrived at the house and spoke with the owner, Gary Ridgway. That's him. That's him. He denied ever seeing Marie. Well, of course he did. And then sat Satisfied, the police left the residence and Uh, didn't pursue the matter any farther. No. So basically, they're like over here arresting taxi drivers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, It wasn't me. And they're like, Okay, cool. I got to go follow this taxi driver. (laughs) They're
0: like, Cool. cool, cool."
1: (laughs) Thanks for clearing that up.
0: (laughs) It wasn't me. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, guy. (laughs) Jesus. So, a similar truck that, um, was owned by Ridgway, was also involved in the April disappearance of a young sex worker named Kimmy Pister. While in the process of turning a trick, as they say, yeah. I, said I, was, like, I was like, what did you just say? You heard me?
1: It took me a second to react. I was like, what?
0: I know, I was ready. I literally put it in here in my notes and was thinking, I'm going to slide this in here and see what she says. Okay. So while in the process of turning a trick, because I felt all obligated to say that. Oh my God. Pister's (laughs) pamp. Oh. um, He saw her getting into a dark green pickup truck with an attached camper. So he described the driver of the vehicle as having a pockmarked face. I don't even know what that means.
1: What is that? A what?
0: Pockmarked face. I'm going to look that up. Sorry, guys. Pock, I, like
1: uh, spell that
0: it's spelled just like it is like p p-o-c-k oh okay like chick like mark it's like the deep scars that from are from chicken skin. pox yeah okay uh, that- well I learned something I didn't know what that meant I just <laughs> saw that's what they had described him as so they described him as having a scarred up face mm-hmm He watched as the two drove off and he never saw Pister again. So he also later informed the police. Um, Well, then the information concerning Pister's disappearance and Marie's was still never fully connected, which to me, it makes no sense. Same fucking truck. (laughs) Same MO. Okay. Y'all are doing
1: a really good job.
0: Like, I want to go to Washington and be like, are you for real? (laughs) So, anyways, by the spring of 1983, the investigation into the Green River killer and the related murders were collapsing. So, the task force detectives had no probability of the taxi driver being the killer. So, but yet they continued to keep him as a prime suspect, which doesn't oh make gosh. sense. They had no new leads, sex workers just continued to rapidly disappear. Um, in which to me, I'm sorry, but if they kept rapidly disappearing, then I would be like, Well, it's obviously not the taxi driver,
1: right? Like, you've been following him this whole time,
0: it's obviously not the taxi driver that's not him, for unpaid parking tickets, right? <laughs> um, so, anywho, the task force was unable to keep up with the massive information, and um, they were just failing this case. So, in late April. Keppel, who was the detective that was hired on with John Douglas, spent three weeks going through all the information available pertaining to the murders believed to have been um, connected to the Green River Killer. So, upon the uh, completion of his analysis, he compiled a report for the sheriff of King County to the task force. He um, the report was like a highly critical. It was super needed for this investigation okay so according to keppel the river man if the killer were to be found many changes needed to be made the report sorry i had something in my eye and i just oh. lost my place okay the report compiled by keppel stated that most of the data including evidence files and witnesses that were accounted to be connected to the crimes were all basically a jumbled up mess so the first thing that was needed to um catch this guy was to complete completely reorganize and categorize categorize um, all the data into their own little areas so once this was completed they'd be able to find out like similarities things that weren't similar to this case and maybe be able to catch the guy because all they were doing was going based off of 17 billion different information and they were writing all this information all the detectives writing all this information down and none of it made sense to them. Okay, so there was no doubt after they could do this that they'd be able to find the killer so on May 8 1983 another body was discovered. That was later identified as Carol Ann Christensen, who was 21 years old. Her remains were found by a family hunting for mushrooms in a wooded area near Maple Valley.
1: Is that that what is that what that's called when you go pick mushrooms? Hunting for mushrooms?
0: That is a thing. Where I live, that's a big thing, to be honest. But it's called
1: hunting. Is it not called like harvesting mushrooms or? No,
0: it's hunting for mushrooms. So. So here in Kansas, um, I'm not one of these people, just so you know, (laughs) here in Kansas, there's a crap ton of people that will go out and hunt for morale mushrooms because I guess they're really good if you cook them or whatever. I personally have no interest in eating them, (laughs) no interest in looking for them. I'm not going to waste my day looking for mushrooms. I'm I mean, sorry.
1: I, I'll find mine at the store, but okay. <laughs> I,
0: if I want mushrooms, I'm just going to go hop up over to the local grocery store <laughs> and buy me some. So yeah, it's it's weird. It's a thing. It's a thing. But then here, it's also a thing to make chili and freaking uh cinnamon rolls together. And that's not right. What? <laughs> that is not right. That's a Kansas thing. I never knew that. I was like, growing up where I grew up, where in Mississippi, we made chili with cornbread. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Chili with cinnamon rolls? Yeah. I I refuse to eat it here. It's That's a, I don't
1: like, I don't like that. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a thing and I don't like it either. Okay. Okay. So anywho. Hunting mushrooms. Um, Caroline, Caroline Christensen was back found in that wooded area body the killer had displayed her corpse in a very unusually gruesome way oh. so trigger warning
1: okay i was about
0: christensen, to say that <laughs> then yeah trigger warning <laughs> uh christensen was found with her head covered by a brown paper bag when it was removed it was found that she had a fish carefully placed on top of her neck what yeah Smith and Gullion state that the um, killer also placed another fish on her left breast and a bottle between her legs. Her hands were placed, crossed over her stomach and freshly ground beef was placed on top of her left hand. What? Further examination revealed that she had been strangled with a cord. She showed many signs of having been in water at some point even though the river was miles away so the task force speculated that she was yet another victim of the green river killer
1: what what the hell is happening here ground beef
0: well the only thing that i can think of is they wanted to put stuff like that so that she'd get eaten by by animals
1: right wildlife i was thinking that but still that's very
0: It's super weird. So during the spring and the summer of 1983, nine more young women, um, many who were sex workers disappeared. And um, the majority of the girls were placed on the ever-growing list of the possible green killer murders, Green River Killer Murders. So um there were some who did not make the list because they were found outside of the perimeters where the Green River Killer was known to dump his bodies but they still believed it could have possibly been like related to him they just didn't have proof so that summer several more bodies were discovered in june Jeez. and the unidentified remains which were believed to be of a 17 to 19 year old white woman was found um on southwest and i'm gonna butcher this to layton road to a Leighton Road? I don't know. On August 11th, the body of missing Shonda Summers was discovered near the SeaTac Airport, which we've we've seen a couple bodies there now. One day later, the remains of another body who, which remained unidentified, was found also at the SeaTac Airport North site. And then the fall and winter of 1983, there was even more disappearances and even more corpses.
1: Okay, so now so, let's um, now let's have somebody just patrol the airport.
0: Thank you. <laughs> like- That's exactly what I was thinking. So first of all, here's my thing: you should have somebody out there watching the locations by the bank of the Green River. Somebody over by the SeaTac Airport. You should have. There's all these post up spots. Right. <laughs> and they're failing to do this. So all these ladies are just like honestly you should have been at the strip watched in the strip you were too busy arresting the taxi driver
1: (laughs) right you need to be following some of these sex workers while they're working instead of following this taxi guy around
0: exactly so um basically they're continuing to find all these bodies right so on november 13th following an extensive search of several lots surrounding an area south of the sea tack near south 192 or 192, 192 192nd street Jesus, oh. Christ. <laughs> 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 the, the badly decomposed remains of mary me mehan you remember her right
1: mary mehan
0: the one that was um
1: was she 19- the one that the boyfriend followed she no was the pregnant one okay That was Maria, right? The boyfriend called Maria.
0: Yeah, Maria was the, or Marie or whatever was the, yeah. So the badly decomposed remains of Mary Meehan and her unborn baby were found.
1: Oh, it's like the baby had been, oh, you said unborn. I said the baby had been born.
0: (laughs) So Mary and her child were the only victims attributed to the Green River Killer who were fully buried. Several unexplainable items were found on or close to her body which included two small pieces of plastic, a large clump of hair near the pubic region of her body, um, a patch of skin attached to the skull. Just like random hair, not her hair? Yeah, like it's random, which contained fibers on it, three small bones, two half yellow pencils, and clear plastic tubing. So none of which made sense. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, then a month later on December 15th, the school of kimmy pister the other sex worker that went missing Mm -hmm. um was found in auburn washington near mountain view cemetery it seemed as if the killer found a new burial site to place his victims it would be the fifth known dumping ground used for disposal of the bodies so this is the fifth dumping ground that they found multiple bodies on okay So two weeks following her discovery, the Green River Task Force, increased by more than half due to the increasing number of murders in the area, was feared to have many more murders occurring in the coming months because they still could not figure out who it was. (laughs) Basically, these guys suck. Like, at this point,
1: these sex workers just need to find another job, like... (laughs)
0: They need to just like go in hiding, man.
1: Like it's not worth it, guys.
0: <laughs> so um, later down the road, on May 26, two children playing in Jovita Road in Pierce County um, were shocked when they discovered a skeleton. Oh. The police and the police and the task force were immediately alerted to the new findings. Following a medical examination, it was discovered that the remains were 15-year-old runaway Colleen Brockman. The investigators still had no new leads to identify the killer. (laughs) Apart from the location of the bodies and the shoe print that they found. (sighs) I mean, they're given all this... Anyways, after almost three years of this murderous killing spree, like, it just continued. So then, following the, the, the... the discovery of Brockman the rash of the murder seemed to be dem- like very uh entertaining I guess so um the desire to catch the killer was the top priority for the task force so in August 1984 the investigators believed their big break in the case arrived when two criminals in San Francisco jail Confessed to the Green River m- murders. Two of them. Two of them. So, after extensive interviews with the two prisoners, the confessions were determined to be a hoax. Right. Well, then, several months later, this is where serial killer Ted Bundy offered <laughs> from his prison cell <laughs> on death row to assist the task force in finding I, their man.
1: I'm just trying to help you guys out. Like,
0: just trying to help I you know. out. He basically, Bundy was like, hey, like, I'm just going to offer you a rare glimpse into the mind of a serial killer. Yeah. Um, this is an offer that you just should not refuse. So in doing so, Keppel, you know, the investigator that was hired, mm-hmm. asked in detailed questions that he hoped Bundy could answer. Some serial killer related questions like what what do you think like why is he doing this why is he doing that so much of the information that keppel had received actually interested him and the task force investigators so bundy suggested that the killer knew his victims probably even befriended them before he lured them into their deaths and according to keppel's book the river man if you haven't read it it's also a good book um, Bundy suggested that the killer likely disposed of even more bodies where they found the most recent ones. He believed that the disposal pattern of the bodies led closer to the killer's home. So Bundy's actually giving all of this information because this is stuff he did, right? hmm So Bundy was actually able to give unusual insight from a killer's perspective, which was super helpful to the case. Jesus. <laughs> So the information received from Bundy assisted the detectives in their general understanding of this, of like serial killer behavior. In fact, Bundy became one of the primary consultants next to Douglas and Keppel that contributed into building this specific killer's profile.
1: He was like, you probably have already talked to him at his house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was basically like, he was like, if you haven't, if you have not believed to have done it, I can tell you it's Gary (laughs) Ridgway. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, although the murders, like, they started to slowly diminish, so they didn't cease like all together, but they started slowly decreasing. Okay. Okay. So between October and December 1984, two more bodies were identified. Um, Mary Sue Bellow, who was 25, and Martina Athorley, who was 18. Both their bodies were found off Highway 410. And that made the total body count to be 31 now. Jeez. Although only 28 of the victims were were actually on the like official green river murder case Mm -hmm. um or murder list or whatever they still had those you know little doubts that the other
1: right they couldn't positively connect them to that
0: so 14 women were still believed to have been missing at this time too they still hadn't found bodies so um I lost my place again. Man, I have so many notes, guys. I'm so sorry. Because it's so morning. It wasn't until, I know, I know. And it's morning. Um, it wasn't until the late winter that skeleton remains of yet three more victims were found. Uh, the first remains were identified um, as Mary West, which were found in a wooded area in Seward Park in Seattle. Seattle. The other two remains, um, which we we already talked about those, I think. Yep. Kimmy Pister. Mm-hmm. And another unidentified white female. So I guess those ones, where am I at? Oh, shit.
1: You are all over the place. I'm telling you.
0: Oh, sorry. Here. I got it. We're good. you good, sis. I'm so good. Sorry. <laughs> this is why we don't record in the morning. I
1: know. That's what I was thinking. <laughs>
0: In February 1986, the Green River Task Force seemed to get a break in what they had been hoping for. So a man described by investigators as a person of interest was brought into the police station and searched. The, the event received a great deal of media attention. Okay. So during the time, the public became like increasingly aware of the task force's lack of results. <laughs> they were basically like, these guys suck. Okay. Clearly, So, um, the FBI agent and detective Jim Do- Doyon in the task force, like extensively questioned this new suspect. And then before long, they realized it wasn't the man they were looking for and let him go. So
1: who was so it? like,
0: again, they're, you know who- they're over here thinking that they're going to catch this huge break. Right. Uh huh. And they're still not catching this guy, so um, it, the search continued or whatever. So by right. the end of the night of 1986, the staff had been reduced by forty percent because they couldn't keep the guys on this case any longer. They weren't catching him. Like you said, got, it was eighty-six now. It's been huh?
1: You said it was eighty-six now. Yep, it
0: was 1986.
1: So it's been like, so
0: they started decreasing, they started decreasing investigators. So in the beginning months of 1987, so a year later, investigators had a new suspect in relation to the Green River murders. So previously, the new suspect had been picked up for attempting to solicit an undercover police officer posing as a sex worker in May 1984. However, the man was released after successfully passing a lie detector test. So when investigators looked deeper into the man's past, they discovered that he had been accused of choking a sex worker in 1980 near the SeaTac International Airport. Mm -hmm. So yet the man pleaded self-defense after claiming the the woman bit him, and he was soon released after the police custody then. So one of the task force detectives, Matt Haney, who was like super suspicious of this suspect, Mm -hmm. decided to dive even further into the man's history. So he discovered that the police had one time stopped and questioned the man back in 1982 while he was in his truck with a sex worker. And then the investigator learned that the prop, sorry, sex worker, I try not to say prostitute. (laughs) yeah The investigator learned that the sex worker he was with was one of the women on the Green River murder list, Kelly McGinnis. So the police approached the man again in 1983 in connection with the kidnapping of the murder victim of Marie Malvar, Mm -hmm. which was the, you remember Marie's boyfriend who followed the truck to the suspect's house after recognizing it.
1: Right. And then the cops were like, you're good.
0: So Haney learned from the man's ex-wife that he had often frequently, like he had often frequent, frequented the dump sites. Sorry, (laughs) couldn't get that out where many of the bodies have been discovered, meaning he was trying to get her to have sex with him there. So also several sex workers claim to have seen a man matching the suspect's description regularly cruising the strip between 1982 and 83. So it turned out that the man passed the strip almost daily on his way to work. Some of the most damaging evidence that was discovered was he worked as a truck painter oh so he was found to have been absent or off duty on every occasion that the victim like that victim started disappearing
1: How? you don't say <laughs> oh,
0: i don't say so this one guy who decided to like finally deep dive into this creepy ass man <laughs> <laughs> so um finally on april 8th 1987 the police got a warrant and searched the man's house. So according to the Seattle Times, the police took bodily samples of the suspect (laughs) so that they can compare them with the evidence they had from the Green River victims. I
1: don't like that wording.
0: (laughs) I know, I'm sorry. Bodily samples. However, there was bodily samples. I put it in quotation marks too. (laughs) (laughs) However, there was insufficient evidence to arrest him and the man was released from police custody. He was identified as Gary Ridgway. Huh. So several weeks following his release, Captain Pompey died from a massive heart attack who was leading this investigation. No. Um, it it actually related into a scuba diving incident. So yeah, it was unfortunate. Um,
1: he had a heart attack while it, scuba diving?
0: I guess, I guess. So this is unfortunate. It was picked up by the media. Um, It was suggested that the Green River killer was actually a police officer that murdered Pompey. So it was picked apart, yeah. He didn't, he was not killed by that. So regardless. This is not what you guys need to be
1: focusing on.
0: (laughs) I know, regardless, um, there was no sustaining evidence to support that theory, but people were like picking it apart. So the task force, which was now led by Captain Greg Boyle, was called once again in June. Three boys had stumbled across the partially buried skeletal remains of a young woman while searching for aluminum cans. (laughs) So the girl um, who was identified as Cindy Ann Smith, she was 17 years old, was found in a ravine behind the Green River Community College. She had been missing for approximately three years before. Oh my gosh! I know. So more. And she was just of, behind
1: this college the whole time.
0: <laughs> no, I guess, or maybe she was
1: moved, but yeah, I'm thinking they
0: just found I'm, her.
1: Right, I'm thinking she was probably moved there.
0: She probably was moved there. So more bodies of missing young women were discovered in in the year that followed, and so like they so just
1: started- so this is what I'm thinking. He got arrested. They were like questioning him. They didn't have enough. They let him go. So then he was like, "Well, shit! I need to get rid of all these bodies that I have, (laughs) just laying around." So he just starts dumping them everywhere.
0: Yep, exactly. That's exactly what I think too. So like, they started locating all these bodies all of a sudden. They all these these missing women that have been missing for a while. So Debbie Gonzalez, who is fourteen, Deborah Estes. You remember I talked about Mm -hmm. her. She's fifteen. They disappeared like six years earlier.
1: And they, they, and they just found. now are being found. Okay.
0: <laughs> yep. So although there were still like bodies being discovered, there were no actual recent killings that were attributed. So instead of like him killing and dumping them, they're finding all these missing women now. So in 1988, the discovery of more than 20 bodies of sex workers in San Diego led to the belief that the Green River Killer moved and continued his murderous rampage in California, because they were all of a sudden finding the bodies and not any new ones. Yeah. So, um, Detective Retcher and the new task force commanded by Bob Evans joined forces with the San Diego Police Department in an effort to find the killer. And in December 1988, investigators had a new suspect. Again, wrong guy. They keep going up to these other freaking suspects and it's not Gary. Right. So a man named William J. Stevens caught the attention of the police after several callers phoned him in a potential suspect during the airing of the popular true crime detective show Crime Stoppers. Do you remember that
1: show? Yeah, I, I do. I like <laughs> I didn't until you said the name of the show. And then I was like, oh, I forgot about that.
0: I know. So Stevens was a prison escapee who was on the run for eight years after a two-year stint behind bars for burglary. Oh. So at the time, he was rediscovered by police. Was He was enrolled at the University of Washington as a pharmacology student. So Wait, he, he, he literally he, escaped jail and went to school. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. And then when did he escape?
1: Um, you said like I... two two years before that or something like that? Eight. Eight years, eight okay.
0: Years. He was on the run for eight. I thought I said eight. That's I thought I said. you
1: said two, and I was like, well, that clearly wasn't him, guys, if he just got oh, out two well. years ago. <laughs> but okay. okay. Eight.
0: But they learned, um, like, they, they went into Stevens' past. They learned that he was already a suspect in the Green River killings. Then they learned that Stevens had, like, a blatant contempt for sex workers and was known to have on several occasions talked about murdering them so police searched his home they found like a ton of firearms a crap ton of different driver's license credit cards and um the assumed names of sexually explicit nude photos of like sex workers um he was highly involved in a robbery and credit card fraud Um, which he used to basically survive right (laughs) so the task force investigators interviewed Stevens about the Green River murders and searched the premises of his home throughout the summer and the fall of 1989 they even searched Stevens father's home for clues trying like to link him to these murders but nothing was found so basically the credit card records and the photographs that Stevens like brother provided uh, or brother provided sorry credit card records and photographs produced by Stevens while his <laughs> brother ended up providing a tight alibi against his involvement with the fri- with the crimes yeah so according to the records and the receipts Stevens was tra- was traveling across the country during the summer months of 1982 when many of the murders occurred so he was cleared right,
1: right. I mean, still go to jail because you're supposed to be there, but... Yeah,
0: you're supposed to be there, bro. (laughs) (laughs) He just, like, straight yeeted the fuck out of there and decided to go to school.
1: I don't understand how he... Okay, how he got into school.
0: (laughs) I don't either. Unless he used somebody else's name and identity.
1: I'm sure he did that. I'm sure he did that, but still.
0: So in October 1989, two more skeletal remains of young women were found. Um, One of the victims was found in a vacant lot near Star Lake and 55th Avenue South. Like many of the other young women that were found before her, the cause of death remained unclear due to the state of decomposition. Um, And then in early February, 1990, the school of Denise Bush was found in a wooded area in Southgate, Southgate Park in Washington. The remainder of Bush's body was located in Oregon five years earlier, so like she was literally part here and part there. Still spread out. If that tells you anything, so clearly he is literally moving these bodies. Yeah. So once again, it seemed as if the killer was like purposely moving the bones around to confuse the investigators. Right. All these investigators were like, "Okay, this is what's happening." We're not seeing any new deaths, but we're seeing all these all over the place, so we can't link anybody.
1: So, meanwhile, y'all spend so, all this time following this taxi guy. Why don't you follow the other suspects that you had that you couldn't keep? If you really
0: thought, like it they was already him. literally looked into Gary Ridgway twice now. That's what gets me. They look into him twice, and they're like, "Oh no, it's not him." Jeez. So, in July 1991. The task force was reduced again, and um, after nine years, there was roughly 49 victims and $15 million spent on a task force on a case that still has not been caught. So basically, the case remained, like, dormant for 10 years. Okay. It was, it had become the country's largest unsolved murder case at that time so crazy so then like you had april, him twice okay i know <laughs> i know in april 2001 almost 20 years after i was like the first, geez yeah yeah almost 20 years after the first known green river murder detective retchert who had become the sheriff of king county that now he began renewing the investigation into the murders so it was a case that he refused to let go of and he remained determined to find this killer Now they had technology on their side. Okay. So Richard formed a new task force team. And they had already gotten the bodily fluids, right? (laughs) Or whatever you said. (laughs) Bodily fluids. So this (laughs) this (laughs) consisted of six members, which included DNA and forensic experts and a couple of detectives. So it wasn't long before the force grew to more than 30 people. All the evidence from the murder examination was re-examined, and some of the forensic samples were sent to labs. Okay. So the first samples to be sent to the lab were found with the three victims that were murdered between 1982 and 1983, Opal Mills, Marshall Chapman, and Carol Christensen. The samples consisted of semen supposedly taken from the killer the semen sample samples underwent a newly developed DNA testing method and they were compared with samples taken from Bridgeway in in April 1987. Okay. So on September 10th, 2001, Richard received news from the labs that reduced the hardened detectives to tears. So they were a match. Mm -hmm. They found that between the semen samples that were taken from the victims and the semen samples that were taken from Ridgeway, on November 30th, Ridgeway was intercepted by investigators on his way home from work and arrested on four counts of aggravated murder. Now, the charges included that of the three girls and also Cynthia Hines, in which circumstantial evidence was also found connecting him with her death. Um, So it wasn't like technically found that it was his it was like circumstantial okay. or whatever so the man that investigators had sought for 20 years was finally in police custody and this time again let him go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was finally this in police custody again
0: <laughs> let him go yeah so he was found again and um It's just, it's just crazy. Like it took that long. And then they were like, and they were found again. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, he was taken into custody and I'm going to name some of the stuff that he stated, um, in his confession. So the green river killer confession, um, on Wednesday, November 5th, 2003, I'm going to, I'm going to read out some excerpts from the confession that like when he pleaded guilty to murdering women. okay. Um, He killed 48 women, by the way, 48 women. In most cases, when I killed these women, I did not know their names. Most of the time I killed them the first time I met them and I do not have a good memory of their faces. I killed so many women. I have a hard time keeping them straight. I have reviewed information and discovery about each of the murders with my attorneys and I am positive that I keep, killed each one of these women charged in the second information. I killed them all in King County. I killed most of them in my house near Military Road, and I killed a lot of them in my truck, not far from where I picked them up. I killed some of them outside. I remember leaving each woman's body in the place where she was found. I have discussed with my attorneys the most common scheme or plan aggravating circumstance charged in all of these murders I agree that each of the murders I committed was part of a common scheme or plan. The plan was I wanted to kill as many women I thought were sex workers as I possibly could. I picked sex workers as my victims because I hate most sex workers and did not want to pay them for sex. I also picked sex workers as victims because they were easy to pick up without being noticed. I knew they would not be reported missing right away and might not ever be reported missing. I picked sex workers because I thought I could kill as many of them as I wanted without getting caught. Another part of my plan was where I put the bodies of these women. Most of the time I took the women's jewelry and their clothes to get rid of any evidence and make them harder to identify. I placed most of the bodies in groups which I called clusters. I did this because I wanted to keep track of all the women I killed. I like to drive by the clusters around the county and think about the woman I placed there. I usually used a landmark to remember a cluster and the woman I placed there. Sometimes I killed and dump, dumped a woman intending to start a new cluster and never returned because I thought I might get caught putting more women there. Wow. This piece of freaking wet lettuce. You.
1: Uh, wow. And so he, but he didn't, ex- I kept waiting for him to explain the ground beef.
0: I know there, I, there's no ex- explanation <laughs> of it. Basically, the judge told Ridgway that in his case, he could find no compassion. Yeah. So he sentenced him to a 49th consecutive life term. So basically, 49, 49 victims, 49 life, cent- 49 life terms.
1: Right. Okay.
0: I feel so bad. I can, um, I actually have a list of their all of the victims' names. If you want me to read them off, I can. There's a lot of them.
1: <laughs> that, that's going to take a while, I feel like.
0: And this, and this might you, actually
1: be the longest one we've done so far.
0: I think it is. It, it is the longest one. There's a lot of information. I will state that it's just sad to see um, the ages that they. Yeah. Them. It, it did. It ranged from 15 to 23. A lot of them were like disappeared and weren't caught for. Weren't caught. A lot of them disappeared and weren't found. and Weren't found. So many years later, like for instance, Marie Malvar, the one that um, her boyfriend followed, she yeah. was captured April April of 1983 and they didn't find her body until September of 2003.
1: That's so sad. I feel like if you it have is. the list of the names, maybe we could post it on like the Instagram or something.
0: I will, I, I can definitely work to do that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a very long list, but yes, Absolutely. That's so sad. So yeah, that is the story of Gary Ridgway, the Green River killer. He was a piece of wet lettuce that apparently our lovely detectives couldn't catch for 20 years. I mean <laughs> although they totally got him in custody several times.
1: I wouldn't say they did catch him, but they just like let him go. <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So yeah.
1: So okay. yeah, that was it.
0: That's the story. That was a, that. that was a good one. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, I've been kind of like debating on doing this story for a while. I knew it was kind of like, it's all over the place. Like I said, that's what I meant by all over the place. (laughs) It is literally all over the place between detectives making it all over the place, between Gary moving the bodies, all the dates going all out of order because all the bodies that went missing this time weren't found until this time. So yeah, it, it was a very messy case and it was definitely one for the books because like I said, it was it was one that um, they almost had to place as a cold case if it wasn't for that one detective that didn't want to give it up.
1: Right. So, bless that man. Bless, bless, that man bless for him.
0: Catching, for catching that stupid piece of wet lettuce. <laughs> so anyway. Right. Yeah. Well. So I'll post pictures to the gram. So if you don't follow us, you should totally follow us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Follow all the things. The Instagram, all the things. The facey page. <laughs> the,
1: face, the facey space.
0: The facey space.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: All right. I, I'm ready to end it.
1: Let's do it. We're awkward.
0: Let's, we're going to be awkward. Ready for it? <laughs> One, two, three. Oh my <laughs> okay, God. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>